Welcome to the Courage to Identify podcast with Sharon Angel. I'm glad you're here. And today, we're discussing an important topic. Grief. Grief is suppressed. In my culture, in the Indian culture, we have been taught, or secretly we have been told, to suppress our grief or sense of loss when we feel it. When we feel loss about something, we are taught, or an example that is put in front of us is always to push it under the rug. There are different rituals in different communities, sometimes three days, sometimes 10 days, sometimes 40 days. And these rituals are of mourning. So different communities mourn in different ways. And different people groups do different things to get over this mourning period. And when this mourning period is over, real life begins. And even when you're feeling that loss or that sadness after this mourning period, you're taught to, or example, to shove your feelings and act as if everything is fine, because that is how you honor that person. So when I talk about grief on this episode, I'm talking about not just death of a loved one, but I'm talking about the end of a friendship, financial loss, breakup, mental health depletion, personal violation caused by physical touch or by digital media. Grief shows up in different ways, in different kinds. And when it comes to loss, there is a deep grief that sometimes is unexplainable. So in this episode, when I talk about grief, I want you to think with me. And when it comes to making decisions as to how to process grief, different people do it differently. But here's my perspective on grief. I want to dive deeper into what grief is like, why we avoid it. And on the other side, what is happening when we avoid grieving versus what happens when we deeply feel it? So the deepest grief that I have felt was when my grandfather passed away in 2008. I bore witness with my own two eyes to having him one day and him just not being there the next day. So for me, it took me years to get out of it. And when I try to recollect the grief process, this is what comes to mind. So one part of it was mourning the loss of a soul, the absence of his existence, having him right by me, you know, holding my hand, giving me kisses and hugs and teaching me different things to seeing him in the hospital and just not having him one day. So some of the good memories that faded over time was he used to wear this t-shirt, this very soft t-shirt that we call bunion in Tamil. So it used to be so soft, and I remember being extremely tiny, being this tiny human right next to him and just feeling that fabric and just touching it and wanting to, you know, keep being by his side. I love that material on him. But all our family members, everybody around him would literally push me away and say, give grandpa space, give tata that space. Tata in Tamil means grandpa, grandfather. And my grandfather would say, oh, like literally push me toward him and say, oh, you know, let her be with me. Let her, you know, do her own thing. Let her touch this fabric if she wants to. It was a very sweet moment. You know, it was very, it's still so soft in my heart to think about that memory. And this other beautiful memory was during his tea time. So every evening, maybe around 4 p.m., 
he used to sit outside in the patio in the veranda and he would have his newspaper whistling reading the paper and waiting for my brother and I to come from school we used to wear our uniforms and when we got dropped off at the house we would always see him in the newspaper out in the patio and we would see our grandpa so you know poised with his tea on the side and on the saucer he would have these marigold digestive biscuits so these biscuits were not for him they were for my brother every evening when we would come from school my brother would go to him and ask tata can i have a biki and he would you know hand him this tiny little biscuit and it would make my grandpa so proud to see him eat it like he would laugh and like pat him on the head and be so happy to see us come from school and spend time with him and just you know like give us kisses and he was so loving like he was so kind to us and it makes my heart so soft thinking about all these good memories but on the other side there's also the trauma of seeing him in pain forward to my teenage years their things are there their property is there imagine living a life with someone by your side and one day they are gone every notebook every tissue paper they used is right there in their room around you you see it you can touch it you can feel it you can see the pictures they had of themselves of you the pictures of you together but they are not there anymore he got very sick toward the end of his life i was i used to sleep right next to him because he was very sick at that time and i was you know i was a night owl i couldn't sleep so i would lie next to him and i saw him cough uncontrollably to cough liquid to coughing blood it was i don't think i really thought about this when i was at that age but then from that it graduated to within a few days graduated to seeing him in the hospital connected to all sorts of wires so this ventilator on his mouth this mask on his mouth to wires on his chest on his fingers on his toes and like in on different parts of his body him you know struggling to breathe and not being able to speak or say anything and just left at, at the ICU by himself struggling for his life that was my last memory of him and i don't think i ever processed that when i was a teenager but only after he passed away there was this deep sadness inside me to have seen him alive all these beautiful memories to him just not being there anymore i remember being in school in my teenage years and not wanting to talk to anybody not wanting to go to school and just you know like what's the point of living i was i was very I was in a dark place for sure but I didn't know how to process it. So thinking about it now in the Indian community we were not encouraged to discuss these details or these situations the sad parts of our lives in intimate settings mostly having to say good things about their life in order to honor them but to truly honor a soul that you respect it is to go through the motions of recognizing the good and the bad in their lives 
because some instances cause trauma. That is when grief sets in. Now, the other side to this argument is I don't want my child to be exposed to this grief and all these miserable situations. So I am going to protect my child as a parent. I am going to shield my child by seeing all of this as a parent from from their stage of baby or being a toddler. I don't want to expose them to all of this, right? So when we're talking to that, when we're speaking about that kind of parenting, there are parents who don't want their kids to experience heavy situations in a young age like death, intense hospital procedures, watching violence, watching blood or seeing and all this graphic content on TV or social media. I get it. You don't want your child to be frightened by all of that. And nobody should tell you how to parent your child. I think it's your choice and it's up to you how you want to raise your child. But these are all life circumstances. Sometimes when your kid is going to be on the way to school, walking to school, or going to their job, or going to college, or going to the market, or going to the shopping mall, there are situations where they see intense things that might affect them, and you don't even know how it's going to affect them. So as long as we're human, we are going to encounter these situations. We are going to encounter these misfortunes. We are going to encounter these horrible, uninvited, strange things that all human beings go through. The question is, how do you protect a growing human from everyday life misfortunes? Does it do good for the child to not learn how to process these graphic images or sense of loss? Grief is like a deep sunken hole that creates a void in one area of your life that you tread carefully around, that you dance around, that you tiptoe around, just to be so careful that you don't fall into it, that you're afraid to fall into, that you're afraid that if you fall into it, you will be alone. But let me ask you this. Now that you've felt this deep sense of loss, losing somebody valuable or losing something valuable, do you still feel like the whole world is by your side? Do you not feel alone now? So why be afraid of walking through the wilderness by yourself? What do you have to lose? One of the biggest mistakes that we make that will cost us later in life is not identifying what we're feeling. We don't know what we're feeling, so we don't know how to get out of that phase. This is a big part of why we don't have an identity and don't stand strong in our value systems. So talk to the girl, talk to your son, and whoever is feeling a sense of loss, whoever is feeling sadness, whoever is feeling a sense of grief, it is like having a raven on their shoulder. And they have to see that raven fade and make sure that they have a dove appear on their shoulder, which means you have to help them understand that sadness is a part of life and we can be happy again. It is important to process these feelings, process these emotions, and allow it to shape you. How do you teach your kid or how do you tell someone that the sadness will fade and that they can be happy again? 
First, you allow them to speak. You allow them to talk to you. You create the space for them to explore what they're feeling. And then don't judge them. Whatever they're going through, whatever pain they're processing, whatever loss that they have suffered, it is good for them to vent it out. It is good for them to understand that, yes, this is what life is. There are going to be troubled situations, things that you don't want to see, things that you don't want to encounter happen in your life at the wrong times, at the most uncomfortable times. But when it happens, it's important to feel those feelings of loss, of suffering, of deep pain, of being in that sunken hole, and to teach them that, yes, today you're feeling all of these things. You're feeling sadness and you're feeling alone. You're feeling grief. But when you mourn right now, you're leaving that grief, you're leaving those negative emotions, and tomorrow you're only going to come out of it and not feel that anymore. So when you're not feeling that anymore, you're creating space for positive feelings to become stronger, to think better. I think it's very important to teach kids this, but also change that narrative of grief is a stigma, is a taboo to talk about. And don't come here and mourn. I think we need to leave a legacy after our generation. We need to change that narrative and leave a legacy to say, are you feeling sad? It's okay. Let's process this together. Let's unpack this together. Grief will come in waves. You never know when it's going to hit you. You never know which days are going to be good and which days are going to be bad. But when you mourn your past, you're letting a new future evolve. So allow yourself to be emotional, talk about it, get therapy if needed. Don't let grief be a stigma. It does no good for anyone. I wanted to go ahead and share this piece of writing with you. So in 2018, 2019, and 2020, the world has been horrible. There were burning wildfires, protests, earthquakes, hurricane, and the coronavirus, and in different parts of the world, different people groups were suffering in different ways. And the media coverage was so immense that there was so much negativity and there was so much fear. There was such a deep sense of loss in all of our minds. So I found this piece of writing by Terry Tempest Williams called A Burning Testament. When asked to write an obituary for the land for all the losses that this earth has felt, this is how she described it. It was written in mid-September 2020, and I'm going to read that for you. We have been living a myth. We have constructed a dream. We have cajoled and seduced ourselves into believing that we are the center of all things. With plants and other sentient beings, from ants to lizards to coyotes and grizzly bears, remaining subservient to our whims, desires, and needs. This is a lethal lie that will be seen by future generations as a grave, a grave moral sin committed and buried in the name of ignorance and arrogance. Another part of her writing, It is time to grieve and mourn the dead and believe in the power of renewal. If we do not embrace our grief, our sadness will come out sideways in unexpected forms of depression and violence. We must dare to find a proper ceremony to collectively honor the dead from the coronavirus as we approach 200,000 citizens lost. We must honor the lives engulfed in these Western fires and the lives we continue to lose from the climate crisis at hand. Only then can we begin the work of restoration. 
respecting the generations to come as we clear a path toward cooling a warming planet. This will be our joy. Let this be a humble tribute, an exaltation, an homage, an open-hearted eulogy to all we are losing to fire, to floods, to hurricanes and tornadoes, and the invisible virus that has called us all home and brought us to our knees. We are not the only species that lives and loves and breeds on this miraculous planet called Earth. May we remember this and raise a fistful of ash to all the lives lost that it holds. Grief is love. How can we hold this grief without holding each other? To bear witness to this moment of undoing is to find the strength and spiritual will to meet the dark and smoldering landscapes where we live. We can cry. Our tears will fall like rain in the desert and wash off our skins of ash so our pores can breathe, so our bodies can breathe back the lives that we have taken for granted. I will mark my heart with an X made of ash that says, the power to restore life resides here. The future of our species will be decided here, not by facts, but by love and loss. Hand on my heart, I pledge of allegiance to the only home I will ever know. Isn't that beautiful? Grief is private, so allow yourself to hurt, to cry, and process your pain privately. Become a wholesome person, even if it takes years. It takes mental health days, physical rehab, emotional healing, and spiritual touch to be whole. But remember that grief will make you stronger. Those questions of why is this happening to me, to us, and at this time are all good questions. So process them, feel them. They will break you, but they will make you stronger. When it comes to grief, allow yourself to fall apart. Forget judgment for one second in your life and let it out. You'll feel so much lighter, but you will feel so much stronger on the inside. So this is my question for you to take away. Will you allow yourself to grieve? Will you set yourself on a journey to become stronger after this phase of grief? I've written more about this in my book, The Courage to Identify Who You Are. Get your copy by visiting SharonAngel.com. It's available in multiple versions, so follow me on social media for promo codes. This episode was edited by Maria Mihailova. This is the Courage to Identify podcast with Sharon Angel. Thank you for tuning in. I'll talk to you soon.